This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi, and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. I'm Barry and I'm an alcoholic. This is the AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Barry. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places. Prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. And this is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety 
and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. And we're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Uh, Barry, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit more about who you are outside of AA, and uh, and then we'll kick into it. Um, do you are you from Christchurch, born and bred? Yes, I am. Yes, Ex- I'm from Christchurch. And uh, you've got family. Yes, I have family here. Wonderful. And can I ask how long you've been sober? I've been sober thirty eight years. Wow, that's wonderful. Mm. Well, let's kick into it. So, tell me. When did you start drinking? I started drinking probably when I was about 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and what was, tell me how, how did that start and what was it like for you? Um, it started really uh, back in the day when I was a boy. Um, the probably um, the most social thing you could do was visit relatives and um at the weekends and things like that. And this usually involved drinking alcohol. And um, during that period of my life, that would be in my sort of uh, teen years, Mm. um, I didn't like it. Ah. (laughs) And I decided that I would never drink. Wow. Because of the things that happened at these meetings. Um, Just to me, it just seemed stupid. Right, and so, okay, so it wasn't a, um, a healthy um, environment? No, I didn't think so. Okay, okay. And so, so you swore off alcohol. Uh, yep. how, long, how long did that last for? Well, until I was about 16, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, and, uh, yes, I sworn off alcohol, but the minute I tasted it, I was hooked. So it was a different story. It's mm. so interesting. And so when um, you you tasted it, um, how did it make you feel? Well, it made me feel big and bulletproof. And um, But the unfortunate thing was that uh, whenever I had alcohol, um, I became a blackout drinker. From the very start? From the very start. Wow, okay. So it wasn't a progressive, uh, wasn't progressive your drinking, it didn't change as you got older. From no. the very start you had that experience. Uh, yeah, I did. And um, I, I mean, in hindsight I can recognise that now, but at the time I thought, well, you know, I'll just drink more and, and get better at it. <laughs> practice makes perfect <laughs> and and so Barry I guess you know what what were some of the implications um you know of that you know at, at such a young age in your teens and and into early adulthood of drink of drinking to blackout well it was pretty traumatic because you know I was the one that whenever we went anywhere as a group I was the one that did the stupid things. Mm. And um, I was the one that woke up in the morning wondering who I could ring to find out what had happened the night before. Mm. And, um, 
you know, people don't appreciate being rung at six and seven o'clock in the morning to find out what to tell me what I'd been doing. So it, it was just a it was a a no win situation, really. And the times in between the drinking, um, you know, where you found out things that had happened, and as you mentioned, were um, what we would not consider what a normal drinker would do. How did that make you feel? Oh, terrible. It, um, I think what it does is it eventually makes you drink more because mm. you want that um, you want that feeling that everything is great and the world's wonderful. And um, so you, uh, I used to have a lot of remorse for the things mm. I'd done. And one of the only ways I could get rid of that remorse was to drink more. And so at any point did you think, okay, this isn't normal and try to stop? Yes, I did. And, um, you know, during the period of my late teens and early 20s, um, I did stop several times. Um, I was able to stop um, for a period of time, but there would always be something that would kick me off again. Okay. And that would be, yeah, an event or or something. So did you ever have any um, problems with, uh, you know, any lost jobs or trouble with the law? No. No, I didn't lose any jobs. And um, because back in those days, most of the guys that you worked with, you drank with. Mm. So, you know, that was, I don't know, it seemed to be normal if that, is the word you could use. Mm. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't get in trouble with the law. Um, I guess I was pretty lucky. But then, alcoholics seem to have <laughs> something or somebody looking over them <laughs> that um, you know looks mm. after them, and they don't deserve it probably. But um, that's the way it seems to work out. And Barry, did you? What were your relationships like, though, with family, with friends, loved ones? Um, okay, okay. Um, uh, I didn't make a very good job of marriage. Um, okay. I, you know, I thought that um, drinking should be part of marriage and um, that type of thing. And obviously, the type of drinker I was, there were always going to be problems. Mm, mm. And um, uh, I guess, you know, talk us through, you know, how how it progressed or not so much how the drinking progressed because you've said to us you were a blackout drinker from the start, but what were some of the things that, that occurred that brought you to what we often call in AA our rock bottom? Mm, um, well, my marriage didn't, um, my my first marriage didn't um, survive and um, a lot of that was because I was a drinker and I would, you know, go out drinking and disappear for a couple of days and mm. um, stuff like that and um, I, I just, just everything wasn't quite right. Right. Um, whatever I did, it was never quite right. Mm. And um, and I just tried to box. I'm, my biggest hope 
during that period was that I would learn to drink like a normal mm. person and never ever could. And so you chased, you chased that. Mm. And um, did you know about recovery or AA? Is that something that, you know, in these periods of um, blackout drinking, trying to drink like a normal person, um, is something, you know, again, the culture around you, had you heard of recovery or AA? Not really. Um, I didn't really learn about AA until um, until the time that I discovered that I was an alcoholic and I needed to do something about my problem. That was a bit of a later stage. It was quite unusual really and it wasn't really talked about a lot mm. in those days. But the funny thing was that my father-in-law was an alcoholic but I didn't know mm. um, until much later on that he was. Interesting. Yeah. And you were, and and so you're right. It was it wasn't uh, talked about. But you mentioned there, and I want to want to dig into this more. That you until you knew you were an, were an alcoholic. What did that look like for you? Oh, pretty uh, well. It was a relief in a way because. It, uh, you know, I, I, for all these years that I'd been drinking and carrying on and that, and and I knew there was something wrong, but I didn't really know what it was. And how did you find out? Well, it was a, through a friend of mine, actually, and um, um, I, I was um, in his town. He didn't live in Christchurch, but I was in his town doing business, and he realised pretty soon that, you know, most of the time I was drunk and um, actually uh, had a friend who who lived uh, in Ashburton and he was um, a really fired up AA member mm. and he sued him on to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and tell us about how, what was your reaction to that? <laughs> I, I was a bit annoyed actually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> but this guy he was relentless. Wow! And um, um, I went to an AA meeting uh, with him. Yeah. Uh, was absolutely amazed how many people in that room were just like me. Wow! You so know. from your very first meeting, you felt that you could relate. Yep. Very first meeting. And um, what were the, tell us about, you know, what the people in the rooms were like. Did they make you feel welcomed? Oh, yes, they did. Um, it, it's just like when you go to an AA meeting anywhere in the world. Mm. Um, you know, if you're an alcoholic, the minute you walk in the mm -hmm. door, you feel at home, whether you're sober or practising. <laughs> Wow, yeah, and, and and that's the gift. Do you um tell us how you've managed to tell us about your recovery journey from that first meet that first meeting? Right. Well, the first meeting I went to, um, um, and I just continued to go, and um, this man that became my sort of mentor, um, he 
shot me off to Hamner Springs. Okay. And then, and back in those days, um, you could go to Hamner, you could have a three month stay there, mm-hmm. and um, and hopefully come out sober. And um, I did. You I did come out sober. Um, and you know, everything in my life just started to come right. It was amazing. And, um, yeah, so uh, that was in 1976. Wow. I uh, stayed there for three months. And um, there was a the, the guy that ran it, he was a great big tall, dour-looking character. <laughs> and I wanted to go home a couple of days early. And I had to go and see him in his office. And he sat there and he looked down at me and he said, You'll drink again. Wow. And, um, but for three years, I didn't. Okay. For three years, I stayed sober. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I started doing stuff that I probably shouldn't have done because I was an alcoholic. I, um, and, you know, slippery slope, I fell off. Okay. And and so you talk about some of the things that you knew, um, you know. Did you, you know, during that time, um, you know, was AA a big part of your recovery? It was a part of my recovery. Yeah, it sure. wasn't a big part. Okay, and therein lay the sure problem. Right. Um, I came to AA. I still enjoyed AA. Uh, we have a program that we work. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12 steps um, and I think what I did was I did the steps that I felt comfortable with <laughs> and um, the ones that I didn't like so much I sort of put aside for later on <laughs> and um, consequently paid the price. Yeah and um, so tell us what brought you back into the rooms and how long did it take? It took about three years and okay. um, I and 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 the three those three years of drinking were hellish. Mm. So uh, it, it hadn't gotten better. No, it, it just got far worse. Right. And um, in the end, I got very sick. I had um, cirrhosis of the liver type wow. stuff coming on, and basically couldn't drink. The only thing I could drink in the end was Carlura and milk. Right. And I thought that was fixed it, you know, but no, <laughs> it didn't. And um, so I ended up going back into um, another recovery um, institution. Mm-hmm. And I, to this day, I don't know what happened, but the second day I was there, because I arrived drunk, of course, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> the second day I was there, you know, I realised things were pretty serious and I thought, you know, I, I've, I've got to be serious about this business. Yep. I've got to do it properly. Okay. And I can quite honestly say that um, from that day on, I have done it properly. Wow. And consequently, I now have all those years up. Um, and, you know, AA is just... Uh, not my whole life, but a very, very important part mm. of my life. 
And and so tell us about some of the things you've done to maintain your sobriety. Um, you know, how how do you cope when you know things get tough and and, and you face difficulties? Well, we believe in AA and a power higher than our than ourselves, and mm. um, that becomes a very uh, important part mm. of your makeup. Having the confidence that if you ask for help, it will be given to you. Mm. And you know, I I can't recall specific things that have happened to me, but. I just know that so many times when I've been in a bit of trouble or life gets tough as it does um, and I've asked for help, um, somehow it turns up. And that's um, such an important part I want to touch on is that in AA, you know, we are not a religious program but a spiritual program. And so that's something that's been important for you. Oh, very important, yes. It's, um, um, it's um, um, you know, the most important mm. thing, probably. Mm. Um, but the whole AA program is, um, it, it, the way it's structured and the way it works, and um, it, it's, you know, for anybody who has a problem with alcohol, um, it's just a massive um way of coping with the problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So tell us about your life today, Barry. My life today, I'm 80 years old. Um, I'm retired, although a couple, about a month ago I went to work for a guy I know a couple of days a week. Amazing. Um, I walk yep. five, ten kilometres a day. Um, I go to AA programs, and the thing I like about being in an AA program is that I go for myself, but I see people get well, Mm. and I see people come in and, you know, and through the the, uh, involvement in the program and doing what they are asked to do, Mm. uh, they get better. Absolutely. um, You know, it's a great privilege to be able to sit in there and watch people get well. Yeah, I love it. What a a beautiful story from, you know, being diagnosed to to where you are today. That's just absolutely beautiful. Um, Barry, what would you recommend that someone who thinks they might have a drinking problem could ask them ask themselves? Well, I think if you've got a problem, and I've found this with other things in my life, if you honestly address it, if you think, "Oh, I drink too much coffee," and um, and and you th- and you think about it, you confront the problem, mm. and then once you've confronted it and you've sort of admitted mm. that you've got it, then something will happen at some stage that will allow you to um, act on it. So it's that acceptance. I, I, yes, acceptance, exactly. It's, um, you know, it's not much use um, thinking you can come to AA, but you can still have all your drinking habits because <laughs> we, we see that and it doesn't work. Mm. But if you're honest about it and um, willing, 
Mm. Yeah, every chance. Wonderful. Well, Barry, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Oh, it's a pleasure. For our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats again on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.